Today's episode of A Dog's Life is brought in part by Orvis. Every doggy needs a comfy place to rest and relax. That's why Orvis has perfected the art of dog beds. For over 40 years, Orvis's UK HQ has championed a culture of we love dogs. Taking the lead not only in manufacturing dog beds and other products, but in education, information and advice for all dog lovers. Being very eco-conscious, Orvis's latest bed collection, made in the UK, cleverly uses recycled plastic bottles and the range is named the Comfort Fill Eco Bed. Mr Binks is a very lucky chap, we know that already, <laughs> but now he has his own personalised Orvis wraparound dog bed. With his name embroidered, it's definitely his. This bed contains about 146 recycled plastic bottles. Overall, Orvis is actually saving an average of 15 million plastic bottles from entering the Earth's oceans every year. It gives me peace of mind that we're doing our bit for the planet. Even the sumptuous cushion incorporates the ecofill. What's more, Orvis gives 5% of their pre-tax profits to nature and conservation projects, in line with their ethics over 150 years to love the wild, explore it and protect it. And listeners of A Dog's Life can get a discount from Orvis until December the 31st. Just go to orvis.co.uk and enter the promo code ANNA25 to get £25 off your £50 purchase. That's orvis.co.uk forward slash Anna25. I'm Anna Webb. Welcome to A Dog's Life. Hey, Mr. Binks, you're quite excited because you've just been on the overground and the underground, and now we're in Marylebone. We're heading over to meet up with Joe Good and Matilda to record a podcast all about the Barking Blondes. We're going to be chatting about some landmark moments, both funny and sad, but all of it totally barking. Hi, Joe. Anna, this is absurd. Shall I tell everyone where we are? Go on then. So, Anna's asked me if I could meet her at Kenwood because, for lots of reasons, Kenwood is quite significant in our careers, but not as significant as my roof um, here in W1A Marylebone because this rooftop was part of a video that went viral. So we'll mention it a bit later on, but just be prepared. There is a reason we're up here, isn't there, Anna? Well, there really is, but we spent a lot of time up here with, um, you know, Molly and Matilda back in the day. And yes, it was a video, but it was actually part of quite a famous TV series, Joe, wasn't it? Absolutely. It was a series called A Different Breed on Sky. Oh, off, please. Do I'm worried about 
her on a rooftop, think she might just walk? No, I don't care about Matilda because she hasn't got, uh, she's not bright enough. Molly does do things to scare Anna. Yeah. She winds she Anna up. She'll do anything to wind me up and see me. Because the problem is, she will go to the edge because she knows that will get more attention. That is the psychology. It's not because she wants to but top she, herself she or anything know. like that, because she doesn't. No. I'm going to put the treat on the skateboard and push it. Matilda is no Tony Hawk, but does at least make an effort. Do you think she might be better off her lead? Well, she will be better off the lead. Molly? While Molly is totally rubbish. Molly! 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 Come here! And we like to think we were one of the first reality shows, a different breed. It was made by Pulse Films. They asked Anna and I if we'd do one, and then they loved us so much, and our dogs. We did 12? Was it 12? It was eight episodes. Eight? I yeah. always exaggerate. Yeah, and that all happened, you know, through the radio show, Joe, didn't it, really? You know, because I think we, we were known as the Barking Blondes. <laughs> if I could have a menage at I would do it with the uh, Barks and the Moon Girls, man. When you sent me these clips to look at, when we knew we were going to be doing today's show, I don't know what I was sadder about. The fact that I've got so old looking. <laughs> or the fact that we are responsible, and I truly do believe, Anna, we, and we say this, we are responsible for the increase in dog ownership in London. And that's a double-edged sword, isn't it? Well, it is. I think we, we really were, actually. So remember, we started airing in um, 2010. So we will be 11 years old very soon, you know, the radio show and, you know, this crazy thing that that was. But yes, of course, we encouraged a lot of people to take on dogs. And then what's happened now, of course, with lockdown in the present day, dog ownership has skyrocketed to the to the levels of absurdity. Uh, and you know, I would just wish people would understand a dog is a commitment. I think people see people out with dogs and maybe have listened to our show and think, God, I'd love that. I'd love a dog. But then the, when the reality kicks in that it is every day, you know, for 15 years, and there's a lot of commitment attached to it, that um, us humans are some more commitment phobic. Do you remember the first day we met? Yes, I do. Well, yes, it was round at my flat, the, the one I still wish I had, but never mind, my lovely flat in De Beauvoir. So can I explain it from my point of view and then you explain it from your point Go of view? Go on then. So there is a strand on BBC television called Inside Out, which are these short documentaries. And they, one of the producers had found this word, fur kid, and said, did you know there is such, it's gone into the modern dictionary, I think? The New it? Oxford um, New dictionary, Oxford. yes. Um, and um, would you like to present this, Joe, as you've got recently got a bulldog puppy? Um, would, and I went, oh, yes, absolutely. And he Can said, Can I just say this was on. in 2008? Was it? Yes. And he said, We're looking for people who, and Anna and I consequently hate this um, comparison, but women who see their, their dogs as their children, which I don't, and neither do you, Anna. But we were quite willing. We were media whores, I will say. Well, we, we were, you could, we, literally, we are all prostitutes and you two probably more, or us two, should I say. Dogs are often referred to as man's best friend, but some women feel an even closer bond with their pets. For those who have missed the boat as far as children are concerned or chose not to have them, dogs are like surrogate kids to be lavished with treats as well as love and affection. Since Joe Good adopted her bulldog Matilda, she's become besotted. So we sent her off to meet some fellow pooch pamperers who are absolutely dotty about their dogs. Sorry. 
say hello to Lucy. I know she's a dog. I know that. But she's not. She's like a little person. Molly. Some people might say that she's not all dog, that she might be a little bit human as well. I put myself forward for this because, you know, um, I'd taken Molly on in my life when, in 2002 and I was only 37, gosh, and, you know, people thought I was completely nuts because back then there were no dog walkers, there were no creches, nowhere was dog friendly. Um, I was freelance, rushing around and people thought, how on earth are you going to cope? Well, you know, I managed and it was fantastic and Molly you know, at 37, most people are having children. But <laughs> rather than doing that, <laughs> I took on a miniature bull terrier. So in a way, she really was my fur kid. She and was. the emotions I had for her, because my father had just died, and that's when I took Molly on, um, to keep the wheel of life going in the form of a miniature bull terrier. I suppose, yeah, to keep the wheel of life going. But, you know, Matilda in no way was my child. She was a dog, and I liked having her in my life. But I remember... Arriving at your basement flat, this has to be the grooviest flat I'd ever been in, in East London. There were, everything was dog, the door knocker was dog, you went in, there was dog art everywhere. Um, and I remember to this day what you were wearing. You were wearing wedgie boots, you were wearing an A-line midi dress, and it was like, I just thought, oh my God, it's like I'm looking in a mirror. The two of us just started to gabble, which we're doing today. Mm. And the poor producer, and I'm hoping Mike, who producing this, isn't of the same attitude. Remember the producer wanted to move my fish tank. He wanted, and I said, he wanted he, to move he, us out. <laughs> he, lay, he went outside and I saw him having a fag in the garden. And he went, I can't take any more of this. I can't take it. Can we wrap up now? And I went, why? And he went, oh my God, the two of you are doing my head in. Um, because we just, all our references were similar. and. I loved, your flat made me happy. It was full of all this dog art and you there in the middle of it. And I just thought I'd arrived in paradise. It was amazing because the other people I'd interviewed on this documentary were quite, God, I can't, I shouldn't really say this because it's still out there, but they weren't that interesting actually. Um, and then I met you and that's what springboarded, I suppose, our friendship and also our professional lives. It did all develop from there. And I remember talking about what you were feeding Matilda as a tiny pup. I think she was only nine weeks old when we met. And I remember giving you the greatest gift, wasn't it? I gave you a slab of raw green, raw green tripe. tripe. I said, trust me on this, Joe. It'll be thawed by the time you get home. Just feed Matilda on this. And it had thawed. It thawed in the studio. It stunk. But, and I always thank you for this, Anna. And you know, I've told you endlessly, you've kept, she's 12 and a half, a British Bulldog. It's unheard of living that age. She runs like a whippet. She's deaf and almost totally blind, but she's alive due to you, literally. I tell, but anyway, to, that's what formed our friendship. And then they gave me a late night show. Um, they gave Gabby Roslin my breakfast show. You can keep that in, Mike. And I then, I then was put on the graveyard shift and I just thought, bloody hell, what am I going to do with this? Four hours through the night, I'll bring in Anna and we'll do a whole dog slot, <laughs> which we did between midnight and two, was it? No, 10, 10 till 12. And we were given an hour uh, granted by management after much hoo-ha of um, a dog slot, you know, like, what are you doing? And then- but they didn't um, know what we, Anna, they had no, no idea what we were but doing. But the advisory committee liked it as the, the best slot of the week. Do you remember? And then we got an hour and then we just did two hours. But we had, um, so if you think, we were, we were new into the new BBC building that, they, that cost millions. Um, 
we were letting everyone in with their dogs, us with our dogs, search dogs, police dogs, Nika and his dog, Robbie Williams and his dog, Macy Gray, who didn't really know what planet she was on that was without funny. her dog. Without. Um, but all these dogs were coming up in the lift. Nobody knew what we were doing at night. Nobody but the listeners. Management, they just thought, oh, were they having a nice time? They had no idea, did they? Really? They had no idea, but they did see how the figures went up on a Thursday between 10 and midnight, didn't they, Joe? Absolutely. I mean, we, we did strike something lucky, didn't we, really? And it was, I think, you know, how we pitched it, um, having a laugh. Um, we, we would always sign on, woof, woof. Mm. And this was eventually the bane of the BBC's life because Ivana and I, to this day, walk around London, the black cabbies, if they see us together, shout woof woof. But we loved it because it was our catchphrase. Um, and to cut a long story short, when we moved to daytime, um, we were told no dogs in the studio and no woof woof. That I had know. to stop because it made the station sound banal. It did, yes. Childish, I think, it was one of the expressions. Yes. But, you know, but we've, we've evolved and, um, you know, as, as the market's evolved as well, you know, over a decade's a, a, a long time, Joe. But remember, remember when we got our book deal that day, we were around at my flat and we got the magic phone call. We got the phone call for the book deal and it was all we'd ever wanted is a book deal because we'd got a television series, a radio show, and then we got the book deal. And... That gave us a passport. Do you know, it was one of my happiest times, Anna, because I said to you, we need to travel the country and go on every local radio station to push this. And we had a budget of nothing. And <laughs> we were springboarded because we got onto Radio 4 with Woman's Hour. And this is what I love about the dog world. It's like being a mason. You either get it or you don't. And, and Jenny, Jenny Murray, Murray. Jenny Murray said, yes, come on the show. Now, we're not Woman's Hour material, are we? Well, I don't know. Well, we're Jenny Murray's. You know, she's sort of, I don't, it, we're not the sort of thing Woman's Hour often do. We? Maybe we're the light item of Woman's Hour. But Jenny loved us, didn't she? She really did. Regulars on a number of TV programmes sharing their knowledge. They've written a book called Barking Blondes, How Two Bitches Taught Two Bitches to Survive Without Men. So what role do dogs play in cementing a friendship and perhaps wrecking a relationship? Woof, woof. Woof, 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 Jenny. <laughs> I know that became the signature of barking at the moon, so we've done the woof woof. How did. And then the we went off around the country. Um, Do you remember when we went to Norfolk? We went to Norfolk. We were on Norfolk Radio. On the basis we had written half of the book I know. in Norfolk. I know. We'd, we'd stretched the imagination to anything. We'd written half the book. That's why we're here in Norwich talking to you on Norwich Radio. Um, no, we'd, we travelled the country. But the book actually got us, it opened a lot of doors for us. And the book got us onto television and onto chat shows. And I think it was, Gabby Logan was the first. Then, oh my gosh, probably the best bit was ending up Clinically on Alan Titchmarsh. Here with their top tips on keeping your terriers trim and your felines fit, please welcome our very own barking blondes, Joe Good and Anna Webb, and of course, who could forget, Molly and Matilda. Which is funny. We when we went up to Norfolk to do that interview, um, we were saying, we've been for an interview for it, do you remember? And we were waiting to hear, and we were due to hear the next day as we were driving back. I'll never forget, because it was actually my birthday, do you remember? And we yeah. had crab sandwiches and you on Open Beach. That's because mm. we loved those crab sandwiches. Yeah. You hate celebrating your birthday. I know, and, we were on, and it was wonderful. And, we, and then, and I was going, no, Joe, no, we're definitely not gonna get it. And then we only did, and only for three series. We got three series with 
uh, the wonderful Alan Titchmarsh. And because I'm so controlling, and because Anna, and I said this when I was watching the clips, I said to Anna this morning, you were the content and I was just full of bullshit. So I would like, I would say, Anna, you and I have to wear everything the same because it's easy on the eye. If the viewer's looking at two of us, if we're dressed the same, then it's easier for them. So I begged all these fashion outlets on Marrowbone High Street. We borrowed so many clothes. They lent us clothes. I know. I went in there going, hi, we're on ITV every afternoon. Can I borrow this outfit? And they'd go, oh, right, all right. I want two of them. And do you remember this viewer emailed into ITV and said, are you both lesbian because you wear the same clothes? And we couldn't quite, I went, no, we're not lesbian, but I don't think lesbians always dress the same, do they? No, I mean, it's not, um, you know, mandatory. Oh, that might be our fans. <laughs> woof, 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 everyone. Woof. We're up here. <laughs> the cabbies. Um, so yeah, so we always wore the same clothes. We did, but it, I, I quite liked it because it was branding. I remember our first episode, we wore those wonderful Samantha Sung leopard print dresses. And the first comment on this, you know, uniform aspect was, um, Joe, Anna, yeah, great titch Marsha, it was lovely. Shame you look like a pair of curtains. We did look rather done up. We looked done up through all of them, yes. but he was a very generous presenter. And we did some great items. And really I think did. my favorite was going back to the Royal Green Tripe with Molly. That was a good episode. That was the first that one of episode uh, series, series three. And get that weight off. And oh, an alternative pet diet that's growing increasingly popular and one that both of our barking blondes feed their beloved pets is the raw food diet. Let's move over to our kitchen where Joe and Anna will explain more. I'll leave you two there with your overweight pets. Here we are. So this is perhaps not what you'd expect to be giving your, no. your dog, is it? Um, so, and this is what... Um, so this is what you do for your two? Yes, it does. Yes suit every dog but it happens to suit ours ours have and this is anna taught me this actually because molly is older than matilda matilda raw green tripe yes it is very smelly but my it is... george that <laughs> looks appetizing we can put a bit in if we like yeah. so we're going to oh, make some like 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 yeah this is just meat so you put about 65 percent meat into the bowl right and this is lovely because it's low in fat right and it's this is chicken liver so you want to add about 10 percent a little bit of offal a little bit of liver just a little bit then. You get okay. a little bit of carrot. And this is the surprise, a raw green yeah. egg. A raw green egg, a raw <laughs> hen's egg. And they can eat the shell as well. A little bit of carrot. Oh, so you're putting the shell Absolutely. I'll wait till Anna's Great done. Okay, there we are. And then break that in and give them the shell. So Sponge it up. That's actually yeah. giving them the calcium because a lot of people are concerned there's no bone in this. And dogs ah, like Is it a bit uncomfortable when they have to go? Well, well it all seems to come and it was a brave move, you know, because we showcased raw food on prime time, which makes me proud because, you know, I think the one thing is about me, you know, I'm true to my word. I practice what I preach and I really do believe in, you know, feeding dogs for their optimum health and, you know, making the, the best out of your dog that you possibly can. So that's what we did, didn't we, Jo? Yeah. She'll work around those knobbly bits yes. and it'll make the mealtime more fun, Alan, oh, yes, for her it as is, well. Actually. It's very and she's not going to inhale so much air, which is better for their digestion. Oh, and better she's also for, the, for the general atmosphere in the house, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but they were the happiest days. We we loved that green room at ITV because all human life went through there. I mean, there were the most amazing people we met who loved our dogs. Chris um, Packham, we met Chris. Chris we did Packham. a show with him. Was Tom Jones in the, I'm trying to work out who was in the green room. Who They always loved the dogs. We met the Fonz, Henry, Henry Winkler. Yeah, yeah. He was there. Um, so many people. Um, 
gosh, Gloria Estefan. Yes. She was on when I did the Ding Dong. Yes. She helped me win it, actually. She's a massive dog lover, obviously. And the thing is, as you say, it is like a mafia thing, you know? And I only like people who like dogs, as you know, Joe. I mean, you know, and I think, I know some people who own dogs can be not so great, you know, like Hitler perhaps, but um, on the whole. This is why I love Anna. On the whole. This is why I love her. Dogs. She'll just drop these in. <laughs> but let's look at where we are now, okay, Anna. So all of the things that we've done, and it's only when last night when you said to me, let's just wing it, Joe, and chat, which is the best way of doing this. I know. But it's only when I look at, and you did send clips over, because I can't look at those clips, because I just think we were so naive we and were we had so much vitriol. That's the other thing we need to talk about, the bitchy world of well, dogs. Well, okay, well, segues to Crufts 2014. BBC London 94.9. want you all to say together the ditty. Throw the hands forward, jerk and let go. Sit. Sit. Spend. It's the Oscars for canines, the BAFTAs for pooch, and it matters a lot. I'll simply die if I don't get that rosette. Next Thursday, join me and Anna live at Crafts. It'll be about bottoms, expressions, gates. And if there are a dog most like its owner category, well, Anna, what with your nose and my wrinkles, we'd win best in show. Even our girls agree. That's Joe Good and Anna Webb live from Crufts next Thursday afternoon from 3. And later on the Mark Forrest Show from 7. On BBC London 94.9. That was a big Crufts for us, wasn't it? Because we'd been big at Crufts in 2013, i.e. on the sofa with Claire Balding. Claire Balding loved us. I know. Come, we've got the judging of the Hound Group, but right now in the studio I have been joined by two women who quite happily refer to themselves as the Barking Blondes. They are Anna Webb and Joe Good, and they have Molly and Matilda with them. Last year we had a, a very, very good conversation all about fitness and getting fit with your dogs. Now this year we're going to talk about dogs in the workplace, dogs in shops, holidays with your dogs. So what is the, the big breakthrough, do you think, in terms of shops, Anna? Well, interestingly, the Kennel Club re released um, a survey last year that said that dog owners are actually more affluent than cat owners. So bearing that in mind in these recessionary times, one might think it makes sense to open your doors to dog and owners. And then back again for 2014, and we were judging the Crufts Factor, which ran for just two years. That was a big feature. We, we, we were really on the screen, weren't we? In our, in our fuchsia pink pants, and you were wearing your fluorescent orange silk pants. Just a little Remember, understated. Both of them split. Well, mine the pants split. And mine split at Did the crotch. Oh my God. And those were, we'd originally borrowed them from Marlene Berger. I know, but I was live the next day. We were doing the Super Dog show and my trousers had split the yeah. day before and I had to wear them the next day. So they were safety pinned together. It was mortifying. And I so had to make sure I didn't put my back to the camera. But it was, you know, Crafts was huge. But we would often get comments and social media wasn't so big then. Mm, no. But there were various, in the dog world, it is a mafia. And there are people who are on one side of the fence, and they're, you know, to do with breeding, to do with feeding, to do with behaviour. Everyone has an opinion, and also everyone seems to be an expert. Yeah. And um, so, both on the radio and on television, we had to be so cautious because we had a massive, massive fan base, but a massive amount of vitriol as well, which still happens. Admit I, it, it still happens. Yes, I think, you know, we, we broke boundaries. We, we helped bridge the gap between, you know, in a way what you would say, 
the on a nitty gritty dog world and the consumer dog world where a lot of people do just ha have a dog. Um, they don't compete with their dog. They don't mind if their dog is a bit porky or whatever it might be, you know. So there's, there's different levels of the dog world. I think one of the funniest parts, and I always think when I'm dying and my life is going to flash before me, I will think of this. One of the funniest things we ever did. And as I say, we were media whores. We did whatever. I mean, someone promised us to be the face of Lungworm. Do you remember? Oh gosh. And we, you know, we, and I think it was at, was at the BBC who was saying, look, Joe, you can't be the face of Lungworm. It was and tricky. We got offered a lot of things and then there was the, the issue with the BBC not being able to, you know, endorse brands. But because we wanted, we were, when our book was out, we were on every tube station. It was brilliant. Yeah, we did that instead of a book launch party. It was the best thing yes. ever. We chose for but underground adverts. Oh, whether our faces on Lungworm posters probably wouldn't have been quite so. But we <laughs> went, this, this bet, who is he who only Luke ever Gamble. wears? Luke Gamble. They only... all wear their outfits. I, I do find it so, rather entertaining. So in Soho, in you know Charlotte Street, wherever it is, this production company says to Anna and I, will you meet Luke Gamble to chat about Lungworm um, in this studio on a loop? It was a loop system. So we went into this basement studio where there's a vet who's hyperventilating in a pair of shorts because he was always very jolly, wasn't he? He was He's lovely, a lovely guy. Lovely. And we had to keep talking about lungworm for hours. And it was it was supposed to be streamed, that's it. It was all supposed to be streamed and it was really groovy technology at the time and none of it worked. So we actually were in there for a couple of hours just talking about... No one about, heard it. No one heard it. <laughs> it all went a bit wrong. But yes, that was funny. Because there were these bizarre there were situations, the bizarre. I mean, which will never happen now, Anna, because it's, people are too knowing in the dog world. I truly, and we started off talking about this, saying we were trailblazers, and I don't think we're, this is an arrogance. We were trailblazers for bringing dogs into the media across all platforms, because social media was just starting, reality was starting. You know, we were doing television and we were doing radio, and we got away with loads because we were just having a laugh. All we were doing was having a laugh. Yeah. basically, weren't we? And Molly was brilliant. You've got to credit Moles. You know, she was amazing in the Titchmarsh well, show. And, and it was a show, I mean, probably what we should have filmed, although it would have hurt a lot, was Molly's funeral. Oh my God, are we going to go there? Most of you listening will have realised that Molly, over the past couple of weeks, hasn't been very well. And I'm afraid to say she passed away on Monday. Anna very bravely wants to say something, and I don't know how you're going to do this, but... Well, the reason I'm going to do it is that the one... Th Dogs teach you things and dogs take you on a journey and Molly and I have been on a really long journey in the last 13 years. She loved the radio show and the radio show made the last five and a half years of her life extra special. She wanted me to be down here because she wants me to learn her fearlessness because Molly was fearless. And I think what holds a lot of people back is anxiety fear to not wear the right clothes, fear not to be liked, fear not to be in with the in crowd, and so it goes on. Dogs don't have any of that, but certainly a bull terrier <laughs> doesn't have that. She died in my arms and I experienced her last breath, which was the greatest honour of my entire life so far, albeit a really hard experience because I didn't know what was happening as it happened because I'd not experienced it before but I believe in the Buddhist theory that the spirit is with you 
for 49 days. And then the spirit leaves to be reborn. And my mission now is to think of happy things. And the song that came on the radio when I finally calmed down enough on the 2 a.m. on Tuesday morning to have a cup of tea. I turned the radio on and it was actually Johnny Walker on, on the repeats. And um, I think we're going to be playing the track that's the first track I listened to after Molly had passed away. Is and this for you, it will blow your mind. But if we don't stop your sobbing, you've got to pretend to have now. It is time for you to stop all but I really feel that Molly's death was so significant because after it, I lost it, didn't I? I derailed, I moved to Shropshire. Well, I'm glad you said that because you had lost it. I had lost it but and I moved it, to Shropshire and it was very worrying and I was very far away and I couldn't see the, the path. And then, you know, Prudence, bless her, is at home at the moment convalescing because she's had an emergency surgery, um, has really helped, you know, in her funny way that at the time you think, why on earth have you arrived in my life? But actually it's something that, somebody said once sometimes you don't get the dog that you want but you get the dog that you need and also you didn't like her no you I remember meeting you in that strange I place. wanted Molly back where was it you were living somewhere they shot midsummer murders oh, yes it was creepy totally unspeakable yes. and I and I was so excited to see your new puppy and you didn't really have any relationship with this dog. And I think you said to me, we went to a pub. She and was the, very difficult. And you though. said, I don't know if I like her at all, really. And I was like, God, because I've always loved parents who are objective about their children. Yes. But people being objective about their dogs. And you didn't have any body language or anything. And it was a love affair that just grew. Basically. It was difficult. You see, I think it's the bittersweet pill that you have to take. I wanted Prudence to be Molly, which I, you know, I know that wasn't going to happen, but somehow I thought it could. And Prue is, is completely the opposite personality. Yeah. <laughs> She's very ta-da, very centre stage. Whereas Molly, she was all those things, but she was um, more sedate and more contemplative about life. However, Prue and I have muddled through for you better have. or for worse, which is what it is. And, you know, we, we now are really good friends. And she is very welcoming to my dog because Anna still has Matilda to stay when I'm away, which yes. is a, a huge sacrifice because Matilda eats all through the night. She likes her meals given every three hours. So Anna literally has Matilda on the bed with her menagerie. And... Um, and I think it's, a, it's an echo of Molly when you have Matilda there, it? Is it is an echo of Molly, also because you must remember little Mr Binks, who's here, remembers Matilda coming to stay when I was in Buckinghamshire. Um, and of course, Gremlin remembers Matilda and adores Matilda because Matilda is, you know, a reminder, a constant going back to Molly, you know. But the, the wheel of life keeps turning and Prue is five now and uh, she is a character. She's an absolute clown. She is a total clown. I'm so cold, Anna. Can we yeah. go in now? We're going to... What's that on the carpet, Anna? Oh, Matilda's oh, found it. It's all right. It's all natural. It's um, just a little bit of air-dried venison. We, ne we forgot to say that one of the probably greatest opening lines ever for television and radio was Anna always keeping treats in her bra. Do you remember that? You would always say, I've got a little something in my bra, which would get everybody like, oh God, where is she going with this? Swedish, and I grew up on meatballs and they are a very um, tasty, healthy treat for a dog. In your bra. 
but yes, well, it's a handy, it's a good place, you see. It's just obviously where it is. Um, and how it started was when I was showing Molly in the, the show ring at Crufts, for example, you really want your dog to be looking up at you. So rather than Molly looking down at the ground, she would know that the treats would be in that receptacle in my bra. So everyone would think, gosh, Molly loves Anna. She's looking up at her so adoringly. Little did everybody know that there was a Swedish meatball in my bra. And that was almost your catchphrase. Well, it was just to keep Molly focused, you know, because being a bull terrier, there has to be negotiation at all times. So Molls knew there was a reward in it for her because, you know, she could smell it. Um, yes. We, we could all smell it, Anna. That was what was extraordinary. <laughs> I mean, your underwear drawer must be completely different now. You haven't got to go down that route. But also, uh, you know, when we were going on about um, when we went from barking at the moon to the barking hour to yeah, daytime. Yeah. And we had a wonderful producer, Elisa, and she got it, didn't she? Because she also got a dog totally. through us. Yes, she did. And she said, let's take the show outside, as they won't allow dogs into the studio. Because in the daytime, we weren't allowed to bring our dogs in, were we? And it caused a bit of a furore, but we had to give in. And it was just a genius idea on the piazza, where the one show do their, their filming and the bands play and everything for the one show. That's where we were, and hopefully still will be one day. I think, Anna, my memory of that, so we were on the piazza, where the one show is, and you'd have George Allagaya, Sophie Rayworth, Mariella Frostoff, everyone Jeremy going into Vine. Jeremy Vine. Jeremy Vine, every time he'd be filming his intros and outros, we'd be finishing. And he, in the back of his films, there'd be little pieces camera, there'd be us coming along like two little blonde hobbits with our dogs. He would be doing every Thursday points of view, is it? Or what was he filming? Yes, I don't know. But and that he would one. be doing his walking shots to the camera. And we and all the dogs and our listeners and all their dogs would be out, you know, in the long shot of him. And he just laughed, his crew would get furious, but he would just laugh because he's a dog lover. Um, but for me, the funniest time on the piazza, it was surreal, was Belle Mooney reading a poem about her dead dog. Yes. Do you remember that? Yes, I do, I do. Will Young had come and sung I don't know what he was singing. His too. latest single, I can't remember. We were, we, it was it was mimed, wasn't it? And um, we were dancing, and we ended up on um, his um, Facebook page. It That's went right. viral. Us doing little moves to a, with Will Young. It was brilliant. And at that point, Will Self decides to go in because he's feel, he's recording Thought for the Day on Radio Four. And do you remember he came over and he was irate. And Will Self leans over and says, if you people gave as much energy to the, to the victims of Syria as you're doing to dogs. And we then went, sorry, you know, and we were like, woof, woof, Will, woof. <laughs> and he literally had no sense of humour, did he, about no, this? I felt he was rather rude, actually, and arguably representing the side of the fence that don't love dogs. Um, say no more. Because, you know, it was, it, people would pass us in the piazza going into that building, people who were doing, you know, reading the news, doing a huge amount of stressful work, and they would just laugh by seeing us, often with a band, all the dogs, having a laugh. And you see, that's what dogs do, generally, you know, they de-stress us. We've seen this now, coming back to the present with COVID. Dogs do make us smile more, they do relax us, and they, they capture a moment, and they break down all of your ego yes. issues, because suddenly you're just, laughing with the dog yes and, and that's when they you know yeah, make our um, cortisol levels drop and are just good for us and i think 
it is where we are now, you and I, is we are known as the dog women, you know, the dog women. So certainly I get every single dog answer, dog uh, inquiry through my BBC email from all over the place, from Radio 4, from Radio 5, but anyone that has a dog question, they send it to me and I send it straight to you because I can't answer them. You know, I'm just literally the vessel and you answer them. But we have got that sort of label and maybe mad is in there as well, the mad dog women. Why is this mad thing, Joe? you know, because what is normal, eh? And why is it that you're labelled because you do spend a lot of time with dogs? I think this has shifted again because of COVID, you know. But why mad? Has it always annoyed me? I think, well, this is for a whole different podcast, but I think it's because we, neither you or I, have played life by the rules at all. We don't have, I'm 65, I don't have the trappings of a 65 year old woman. I'm living in this block in a rented flat with a British bulldog, you know, and a whole wardrobe full of wonderful clothes. Those are my priorities, not kids and grandkids or anything else. But that was one of the things we, we had in common when we met all totally. the time ago. Totally. And that was never my, my urge either to And to I think breed. if you veer from the normal, people are, especially in this country, they are quite suspicious. Mm. And I think they were quite suspicious of us because we were having such a laugh and enjoying ourselves. Yes, but we did also work really hard, Joe. <laughs> you know, going on air for two hours, you know, it's no mean feat. And it's fantastic how you did all four, I'll never know. So I think, and we, we were doing good, I think, as well. We were, and we are. Yes, hurrah. Which leads us to this. Your editor, your producer, Mike, I met through dogs. Yes, and you introduced me to Mike. So again, this is where, see, I love collaboration. I love the community spirit, which is really what dogs represent as yeah, well. Yeah. See, I think I am part dog, because you, know, you know, and I, I'm proud of that. Woof, woof, Anna. Woof, woof, Joe. That's our show, Mr. Binks. What did you think? Yes, I thought you'd enjoy a little trip down memory lane, and it was lovely to see Matilda again. I hope you all enjoyed it too, and if you did, please rate and review the show wherever you listen to your podcasts, as we're on all the platforms and it does help other dog lovers find us. Thanks to Joe, and you can listen to Joe every weekday on BBC Radio London from 1.30 in the afternoon. And of course, remember that the Barking Hour is every Thursday at 2.30 p.m. Today's episode was brought to you by Orvis. Remember, you can use your promo code, which is Anna25, to redeem £25 off every £50 purchase. All the links are in the show notes. Thanks to Mike Hansen and Pod People Productions for the music and production as ever. Follow them on at Pod People UK. For more about me, I'm at Anna Webb Dogs. That's the last episode of A Dog's Life for 2020. But look out for a special bonus Christmas episode over the holiday period. We'll be back in your feed on January the 3rd. In the meantime, subscribe now and listen back to all the great episodes you might have missed this year. Merry Christmas and let's hope 2021 is more normal.